Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today.49ers cutback podcast time and Alex some of the things that are going on in 49ers land of course we had the video that came out earlier you know today talking about you know Kyle Shanahan the 49ers and what they need to do at the end of football games that has I mean it, it sparked some interest some people really got down in chat got into it you know about what they believe the 49ers need to do and there's been other things as well including you know James Jones comments on the fact that he believes you know, Trey Lance is going to be a bona fide superstar. I don't know if you saw any of this, but what do you think about the comments like that? You know, where it was just a month ago that everyone was questioning whether Trey Lance was going to be one of those guys. You know, could he be that guy? And now we're seeing the the inverse, a guy like James Jones saying, hey, this guy may be Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes good. Um, look, I'm, I'm always one of those ones who doesn't put the cart before the horse. I don't like to do that. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me uh, to, to, to do something like that. Uh, the reality is, is that Trey Lance's upside is huge. So James Jones feeling like he could be Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers is great to hear. I love hearing that from other people, other people who don't have a vested interest necessarily in San Francisco with the 49ers. So other people looking at this from an outside perspective saying, hey, Trey Lance is the guy and he's the future and he's a stud and he's going to be a star and anyone who doesn't see it as a fool I want that. I want people saying that. Now, that being said, I'm not going to put much stock in it because I haven't seen anything. I've seen some flashes from, from Trey Lance. I've seen some, not, I wouldn't, I don't want to say negative from Trey Lance, but I've seen some things that make me go, okay, yeah, he's young and still has a lot of things that he's developing and getting better at. So if people are feeling like he's on the road to being that, then great. Um, like I've always been a firm believer that it was going to take Trey two to three, possibly four years to be a guy that, you know, before we saw the best version of him as a quarterback, like the, the version of him that was a franchise quarterback, like that everyone's sitting there going, yeah, there's no questions type talent. Um, I, I thought the first few years were going to be a struggle for him. So 
I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping guys like James Jones and have it accurate and down pat because if they do, then the Niners are in a great spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that the comments are right. But, I mean, how is there really a way to know? And I think the funny part about the whole thing is uh, he ties it to how the locker room is speaking about Trey Lance, you know, and the things that they're saying about him. And, I mean, what did you expect the locker room to say? You know what I mean? Like, they're of course, they're going to say nice things about Trey Lance. And I hope that all of them are true. I really do. I just think it's funny when anyone reads anything into comments coming from the players and coaches, um, you know, too much. I mean, I think they give you some some idea of what's going on. But really, when it comes down to it, these guys, I mean, they're going to say nice things. Where it's going to be proven is on the field. When Trey Lance lines up in training camp, when Trey Lance lines up in the preseason and ultimately in the regular season, that is when you're going to find out who this guy is and what he's about. And then all those comments uh, will start to make sense. I do like the good things we're hearing about him. I do think Trey can do all of the things that they've said he can do. Um, but right now, it's a wait and see until he proves it on the field. That's all it can be, man. It, it can't be any more than that. And anyone trying to make it more than that is either just missing something, missing information, key information, or, you know, has uh, ulterior motives, I guess, is the nicest way to put it. I'm not sure exactly how to put it or how to phrase it properly because I don't want to I don't want to take shots at anybody. And I don't want anyone feeling like, hey, you know, Trey Lance can't be that guy. He 100 percent can be. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, wait and see approach. Can we, can we see it first? Can I, can I get a little taste of it first and, and get an idea of the, the positives and the negatives before I have to hop on board or off board uh, with this kid? I want to give him a chance to prove it before I just crown him or not crown him. Yeah. And we have some, we have some good questions and comments coming through on chat and Bobo says, do we have four years to wait on Trey Lance to get good? No. Uh, so asked and he answered it with no. And I'm going to go ahead and, and agree with Bobo. They're, they don't have four years to wait on Trey Lance to get ready. I think they have this year for him to get, you know, comfortable with his situation playing with the 49ers to see, you know, an upside of what he could do. And then after that, you know, he really needs to step into it. That's how they're going to be able to take advantage of the full rookie pay scale. Or, and I think they will, uh, because I do think that he's one of those guys that's going to develop rapidly over the next couple of years because he's going to get, a lot of snaps in the next couple of years, maybe more snaps than he's ever gotten his entire career. And I think that will go a long way in helping his development. I agree with you on that. Look, I, I, here's the thing. I, I think it's going to take four years to get to the best version of him, but that doesn't mean the best, best version of him needs to, to is what the Niners need to win a Super Bowl. Like that's not the reality. You don't need the best version of Trey Lance to win a Super Bowl. What you want eventually is, is in three or four years from now, the best version of Trey Lance, because it allows you different opportunities to build your team kind of like what Kansas City is having to do, right? You have you have Patrick Mahomes who bursts onto the scene and then continues to be that guy. So now you don't have to have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. You can afford to move off of uh, a, a Tyreek Hill and just have a Travis Kelsey and some other pieces. You, it affords you different ways to build your roster because you already know what you have at quarterback. It's been proven. The Niners right now, you don't have four years to wait to build a Super Bowl roster, but you have a team right now that can get it done. So Trey just has to be good enough. And in four years, if he becomes the guy you all think he can be, that allows you and affords you different ways to go about continuing to build this roster so you can continue to stay at the top of the NFL rather than having to, you know, tumble down to the bottom and start all over again. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to wait four years. I think if you had to wait four years, 
I think that Kyle Shannon and John Lynch wouldn't be here anymore. I think that they have to figure this out before that. Trey Lance has to start winning them football games and winning them, you know, a championship or at least competing for a championship in the next few years. So there's going to be a decision on them. Uh, but we do have another another comment here that I want to read. It's from Callie Young. It says, I think we start off next season with a ball control offense, heavy run oriented. As Trey gets more comfortable, I believe well, Kyle, Kyle will open up the offense. I'm, I'm thinking he's saying after that, uh, that's when the offense opens up. And I, I actually really agree with that sentiment. The 49ers go in with a, you know, what they've been doing, you know, kind of a run first offense and they build into it. And everyone's going to want to check out our video that comes out tomorrow morning, which is about the run game, how the 49ers run game is going to look in 2022. Check that out at 11 a.m. Pacific. I think everyone will really like it. Yeah, look, uh, the reality is, is that uh, I, I still don't even foresee this thing getting completely opened up as the season progresses. I think the reality is, is right now the Niners are built to run the football. That's what you're built to do. You're going to try and do that at a high level. And I think Trey Lance's upside as a quarterback and his arm um, is going to afford you the opportunity to not have to rely on, on a pass game or rely on being aggressive with the pass game, uh, but instead be able to run the football when you want. And the threat of Trey just letting the ball fly deep downfield and stretching the field uh, essentially is going to afford the Niners more opportunities to run. I mean, one of the critiques that we talked about this morning from from Mark um, uh, over at Fort Niners web zone was the fact that the Niners didn't run the ball enough, even though their critique was at the end of that fourth quarter, I've said super bowl and that the Niners ran too much. And that Kyle course corrected from the Atlanta game. Um, I think, I think the addition of Trey Lance just affords you more opportunities to run the ball because teams are going to be, I think teams are going to be too afraid. They're going to be too afraid to commit it, commit it into the box too much because they understand what Trey's strengths are and what he does well already. I think they do understand what he can do. I think the problem with not opening it up is you run to the situation in which the defenses figure out, oh, they're not willing to work, you know, to open up the offense and take those shots without doing that. And David Campbell's talking about seeing Jimmy Garoppolo's 10 deepest passes and the fact that, you know, he's pretty sure that Trey Lance can do as good as Jimmy Garoppolo did in those situations. And I'm saying at, at some point, if you don't take those shots, if you don't, if you're not willing to go ahead and get the ball downfield and you go with a complete offense that you ran with Jimmy Garoppolo, they are going to do the same things, right? Because the defense is not going to be afraid of Trey Lance. At some point, the fear wears off unless it's actually doing something. So I think they will open up the offense as the season progresses, as Trey Lance gets more comfortable with what he's looking at defensively. Because early on in the season, they may be able to confuse him. They may be able to you know, hamper exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. But once Trey Lance gets comfortable with what defenses are trying to do to him and knowing where his receivers are going to be, I think the offense can take an uptick. I look for the offense to get better and better throughout the year as Trey Lance gets more comfortable with the reads and Kyle Shanahan gets more comfortable with calling plays for Trey Lance and the additional weapons that they've added during the offseason. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely see that. I could see that being something that, that happens for the, for the 49ers. Um, I saw here another one from T.O. Do you think Kyle will play it safe in the first few games or go all out? That's an interesting one just because, right, a lot of us, I, I know I believe that Kyle will – kind of stick to what they've been doing, right? You're going to try and get your young quarterback in rhythm. You're not going to try and put a lot of pressure on them, which would mean, you know, if, if you dis, if you would, if you would discern playing it safe as running the ball 20 to 30 times and, you know, short, short intermediate passes early in games to get Trey going. I think that's what you are, you're expecting to see out of the 49ers is giving an opportunity for your young quarterback to build some rhythm, feel comfortable. Um, and his first few starts of his, of his NFL career in terms of being the leader of the, of the, of this team, of this franchise, 
the face of the offense, ideally going forward. Um, you don't want to go out there and, and throw them out to the wolves necessarily. You're going to put them by put together a game plan that's comfortable, but here's the other thing. Uh, that may be what playing it safe is right now. Uh, you may get through training camp. You may get through the preseason and Trey's blown, blown everyone's socks off. And if he's done that, then playing it safe might mean going out, letting them sling it 20, 30 times. Yeah, I think when it comes down to what they do as far as this offense and as far as comfortable for Trey Lance is all going to be determined by what they're going to see on the other side of the football. If they're going against a team that's going to load the box, Trey Lance is going to be asked to throw the football. It's just that simple. You can't just go out there and say, you know what, we're going to be reserved uh, because we want to protect the young quarterback. What you are going to have is certain plays, the, the plays that he feels the most comfortable running, you're going to do that. But they have to fit in within the game plan. So you're going to look at the team you're playing, and that's how you're going to design your game plan. You know what your strengths and limitations are with every single player on your team, so you're trying to put them in the best situations to be successful. But once you get out there, you're not putting a game plan together. It's like, you know what? I need to be conservative for my young quarterback. You're only trying to take advantage of the defense's weaknesses and use your offense the best to its abilities. And what the way to do that is get the ball in the playmaker's hands. So if the Chicago Bears come in in week one and they decide to load the box against Trey Lance, the 49ers will throw the football. It's that simple. It dictates it. And Kyle Shanahan is going to want Trey Lance to run this offense as if he was a seasoned veteran. Go in there and handle it. But I think Kyle's uh, belief in him is going to grow as the season goes on. As Trey continues to make the right situation, the right calls and right situations, I think that is when uh, he's going to get even more thrown his way. They'll expand the playbook. So could the playbook be a little bit smaller? Yes. But what's asked of Trey Lance, I think, would be no different than any other quarterback. Because when it comes down to it, you're here in the NFL for a reason. You need to go out and win football games. And I think that's what they're going to try to do. Uh, I, ideally, ideally, you're going to go and try and, and, uh, and win football games and, and take care of business in that category. And hopefully that's, uh, hopefully that's the situation. Hopefully that's exactly the position the Niners have put themselves in. Um, you know, you, 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 you've, you've done a great job if you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch of staying one step ahead consistently. Uh, with your quarterback position, you did that with the draft. You, you did that with your wide receiver room as well. After you go get Debo, after you go get uh, Jalen Hurd in the, in the same draft class, and the, you know, in a couple of years down the road, you're going out and grabbing yourself Brandon Ayuk as well and, and adding to that room, not, not being satisfied. They've continued to add on the D-line. They drafted Drake Jackson this year. You get Ty Davis-Price. So they're consistently adding two rooms. They're consistently building, building depth through the draft. Um, not so much building depth through free agency so much as they've been building depth through the draft uh, and buying themselves time to be able to continue to compete in the future. And, you know, and you never know when one of these guys is going to spring onto the scene in, in your young draft class and surprise you in the here and now. Talano Hufanga was a surprise in terms of how ready he looked and how much he accomplished year one as a rookie. Yeah, you know, and we have we have some more good comments and, and questions. And, and first off, David Campbell, you know, with RIP Hugh McElhaney, uh, you know, a Hall of Famer in the NFL, a 49ers legend, part of the million dollar backfield. So RIP to him, uh, dead at 93. What a great life he lived and, you know, a, a big time force in 49ers world. So uh, definitely wanted to comment on that, you know, and then I saw another one for, for Donald Johnson. He says, will they use Ray Ray McLeod in the backfield? So Debo doesn't have as much as he did last year. I do believe that part of it, of what they want to do with Ray Ray McLeod, does include times where he lines up in the backfield. 
We always have to remember, though, Debo is one of those guys that's just an absolutely special player. Being able to duplicate what he can do with one guy isn't going to happen. So what you're going to see is a, multi a multitude of guys you know, that take on some of those roles. I believe that's why they got TDP to handle some of the short yardage stuff. That's why they got Ray Ray McLeod to handle another area in which Kyle Shanahan wants to attack because it was always meant for other people. Uh, Debo is going to have to have his role spread amongst multiple players. And then at times he will be tasked with doing the things that he did last year, but they definitely have to limit it because if not, he's going to wear down as the season goes on. So into games to finish him off in the playoffs, I think that's when you'll see uh, uh, Debo Samuel's role increase. But until then, it will be on guys like Ray Ray McLeod. It will be on other guys on this team to get it done, including TDP and Elijah Mitchell. Uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. TDP and Elijah Mitchell are going to have huge, huge roles. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell, big role, but but TDP as well. Um, and Ray Ray, possibly. Uh, Ray Ray is definitely is going to, to be a guy that is intriguing in that area just because he's done it in Pittsburgh. He's done it other places. Um, we've seen Brandon Ayuk do it, but it seems like the Niners have kind of moved away from the BA role, running the ball out of the backfield as, as jet sweeps and reverses may go. Um, you know, he, he seems to be at his best and catching the ball in the open field, whether that's screens, whether that's short stuff in space, um, and being able to run after the catch. So I think, I think and feel like those are his best opportunities. And maybe that means that this, this avenue for Ray Ray McLeod may open up and who knows, maybe, maybe the avenue also opens up for Danny Gray as well. And we got a question coming in from Big Bird 99 which we know is uh, John Alberti. What's up, John? How's it going? And he says, with Alex Mack retiring, who do you feel is going to step up and take over the center position and be able to make those calls on the line? Alex, I'm going to let you kick this one off. Uh, look, as of right now, the, the reality is, is that with, with Alex Mack retiring, um, I don't know. I don't know who's going to step up. Uh, everyone keeps saying Jake Brendel. It, it would feel like, to me, the guy that makes the most sense is actually Daniel Brunskill just because of how much he's played in the system already. Now, Brendel has had a year in the system already, so he does have that going for him. He's a Forrester guy. He's played with Forrester before, so there's that crossover as well. So maybe Jake Brendel is the answer. My money my money is on Brendel at the moment just because it's the, he's the guy that's been talking about, but my gut tells me if it's just someone on the roster that Daniel Brunskill makes the most sense. I, I don't know, though, Ant. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking right now that it's it's Brendel. I mean, all the conversation that's coming from Kyle Shanahan, coming from the other players, is that they have confidence in Brendel. I think you throw in the fact that you had Chris Forrester, you know, showing that respect of bringing him over from Miami, having that relationship makes me think it's probably going to be Brendel. I think there is going to be opportunities for other players to step up and potentially challenge Jake Brendel. Uh, but right now, Brendel's going to go in. He's going to be the inso facto one. He's going to take all the first team reps. Somebody's going to have to go in there and take it from them. It's going to be their job. There's guys with opportunities to do so, but guys who have a lot to do to get better. Brendel's a guy that's been in the league since 2016. He understands what it takes to play at the NFL level. The 49ers are definitely high on him, and we've seen them be high on players before, and everyone questioning. You know, It wasn't too long ago, Daniel Brunskill was a guy that was a question mark, and then all of a sudden he became a real reality starting as a guard. So they do this. They develop guys. And so maybe it's as simple as Brendel is now developed and now ready to go. And maybe they feel tremendously comfortable with him playing center, but it's going to be one of the positions definitely to watch all off season. And if it is, it does end up being Daniel Brunskill. There's even more questions at guard as well, because now who will fill the right guard spot? Will it be Spencer Burford? Will it be Jalen Moore? Uh, the questions kind of 
keep happening once the movement starts happening along the offensive line. Very true. Uh, very, very true indeed. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. And who knows? Maybe J.C. Treader is actually the guy, and we're all just dead wrong on this. <laughs> who knows? Maybe. It is possible. It is possible. But I, I'm, I'm interested to see what this offense is just – what it's going to look like now because it does feel like it's going to be different. Um, and we do got a video that's going to be talking more about both the pass and the run game coming up, and, and that's going to be exciting to get into all of that and, and have that discussion with the TCC and let them hear about it a little bit more. But it, it is intriguing um, just because of what Trey Lance adds, what he brings to the table, and the departure of Alex Mack and Lincoln Tomlinson on this front line. Um, what this offense could potentially look like and, and what this means for Trey with this group. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about, hey, he's got great chemistry. He worked, he played with a lot of that. He played with Brendel, right? He played with Banks. These are actually positive things. He did that last year and that's good and great and all playing with them and practicing with them in practice. But are they the best option to run with the first team or are they just really good on second team? That's the question that now needs to be answered. Yeah, and, you know, and Paul is saying once again, camp will be fun to watch. Uh, Treader is not coming. You know, I, I think that is the growing trend is that it it doesn't appear that that Treader is coming. Um, I I never close the door on anything. We know the 49ers could make a change at any time. They could decide that they need to address this room. I think they have addressed the room with a lot of young potential players, but it's one of those years, right, where guys are going to have to step up. This is the year they have to go ahead and and make something happen. They have to go ahead and do a, a really good job. And you're going to have young guys, but I mean, is Donovan West really ready to start as a, a rookie? You know, is Nick Zakel going to be ready to start as a rookie? Even Spencer Burford, there's real questions about any of those guys being able to start along the offensive line as a rookie. We've seen Kyle Shannon employ the, you know, the red shirt system, uh, Aaron Banks, red shirted, Jalen Moore, red shirted. So I don't know if one of those guys is going to really be able to step up. I think they'll give be given the opportunity but I don't know if they can actually get it done, which means it looks like it's going to be Brendel. It looks like it's going to be a battle between Moore and Brunskill. With Brunskill, I believe having you know the lead, the lead in that whole battle because um, he's already proven that he can do it at the NFL level, at a high level, in fact. Absolutely. Uh, he, he definitely has. Um, look, I think there's, there's just a lot of questions on the old line. There's a lot of uncertainty. And uh, the exciting thing is about camp is you're going to get to see a lot of, uh, a lot of battles a lot of battles and a lot of guys getting a chance to prove themselves. And it's going to leave uh, well, a lot of room for competition. Um, Justin skill being back still in the fold. You have a uh, Colton McKivitz who is, you know, looking to definitely improve upon last year in which we thought he was pretty much a bona fide lock coming into season. And by the time we get to season, Tom Compton is the dude. Um, so there's a lot of ways to move piece pieces around on the O-line and really try and piece together the best five that you can possibly piece. I, th I think we all know, uh, we all know, or at least we we feel like we know that uh, Tom, that uh, not Tomlinson, uh, but Banks and Williams, Ant on the left side are, are pretty solid and pretty set, or at least have a comfortable lead over those spots. The question just now is is how does the rest of this line shake out? Where does Brunskill end up landing? Is McGlinchey healthy? Um, and is anyone else going to surprise us? Because there are guys who are familiar with this system. There are guys who have been here a long time. This is for, for a few of them, this may be the last chance for them to solidify a roster spot in San Francisco. Yeah. And there's a lot of players that right, 49er fans and the 49ers brass have been high on that may not make this roster, right? You've got sure. Justin Skule, you got Colton McKivitz guys who, I mean, when Colton McKivitz was drafted, they said they envisioned a, 
a time when this guy could be the starting left tackle for the 49ers. I mean, we didn't know it was going to happen in, in week 18 against the Rams uh, because Trent Williams was out, but there is like a lot of potential with these guys. So the 49ers are high on them, but I think the way that they've talked about Spencer Burford and Nick Zakel make me think that they're just as high on them as well. And maybe even more in some cases. Uh, so I do think they're very proud and happy with the guys that they got. And I think they're confident about this offensive line moving forward. I think we just have to kind of let it play out. I mean, one of the things that's hardest to do is, is sit back and be like, you know what, that guy's unproven, but I feel completely confident in it. Uh, I just don't think you can have that 100% confidence, uh, but I do like that potential. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. And we got a super chat that just came through from David Campbell, a 999 super chat. Thank you so much, David Campbell. He said, appreciate the great channel you are building and the hard work. Carry on, Wayward Sons. That is on my playlist, by the way, The Wayward Sons. Uh, I love that song, and I listen to it almost every morning. So well done, David. I love the song choice. Thank you so much for the super chat and the great comments. Uh, David leaves comments on, on our videos. He's very supportive. Uh, one of the good people. So if you have a, a chance to interact with David, he, he's really one of the good people in 49er land. Uh, you know that's right, David. Appreciate that, man. Uh, appreciate that big time, and we will uh, keep doing our thing. We will... We will keep doing our thing if possible. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, I, I think uh, a lot of people are just anxious at this point. They're anxious. They're itchy ants. They really, 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 really want season to start and at least training camp to start. And I don't blame them for that because uh, I would like to see these things play out. Uh, not so much not so much speculate about it, right, and talk about it, but be able to actually watch about it, watch it some and actually be able to give some feedback and and uh connect some dots and try and make sense of this because last year we pointed out the, the Tom Compton, Colton McKivitz flip in the switch. And it was something interesting and maybe it's nothing and maybe it's something. And it turned out to be something. Yeah, exactly. That was interesting. I I'll, I won't forget that practice watching Colton McKivitz struggling at right tackle, struggling and getting flipped to guard and then Compton going out there and handling business. And I remember looking at each other and, and saying to you, did they just move Tom Compton to right tackle? It was surprising at the time, but it ended up working out. Um, so I think we do have to trust Chris Forster with the way that he handles this offensive line. He's done a really good job so far, especially after taking over for John Benton. I thought Benton did a good job, but I thought Forster was even better the way that he handled them. And I think he gave more defined roles to some of these offensive linemen. He's well-respected, uh, respected enough that he's been an offensive coordinator in this league. Uh, he's going to be handling the run game as well. So I think Forster's a really good a really good coach. He's going to be able to handle this offensive line, and I think we just got to trust him to get these guys into the right spots. Uh, agree with you there. And Forrester has not done anything to make me not trust his judgment, not trust what he has done and how he's developed guys. The guys have developed very well under Chris Forrester uh, in, a, in a shocking change of events, and much like uh, – much like uh, Chris Kacerik has done on the other side of the ball with the D-line. So the line has done a solid job, top to bottom on both both sides, of handling business and taking care of business. So uh, look, I, I trust Forster. I trust this this coaching staff. I trust this front office. Um, they've made a lot of sound, solid decisions. And, uh, and until, uh, until they don't start making sound, solid decisions, until they start doing horrible, terrible, no good, very bad things, uh, I, I have no complaints. Just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, let's, let's hope that we keep hitting on – some of these these names that we're we're taking chances on because we are taking chances on younger kind of unknown unproven commodities at the O line position right now. But if there are two positions right now, offensively and defensively, where I feel the coaches have done an incredible job and, and definitely trust their judgment and would want to take risks there, it's it's the O line and the D line. 
Um, the reality is the Niners haven't taken risks there at those spots, typically, like not huge major risk. Um, you know, not not like cornerback last season going into the season type risk where you you only have half of the uh, half the defense set up there. Yeah, I think they've been very calculated with the way they handle the offensive line. I mean, they had Joe Staley when they when they took over in 2017. He was the mainstay, and one of the first you know things to do was to get somebody that was going to play opposite of him. You know, they had Anthony Davis that had retired. They needed to make a move, and that's when they went and struck with Mike McGlinchey. And Mike McGlinchey was a top ten pick, a guy that they expected to plug and play. He understands how to you know play in a this style of run game that Kyle Shanahan wants to employ. We know of their struggles in the pass game, but. They build on the outside with those two tackles. And along the way, they paid big money for Weston Richburg. Uh, Richburg didn't work out. You know, and Richburg was one of those, you know, failed experiments. I, I, what they what they were doing was taking a chance. Now they've decided to build it a different way, you know. And Benton is building the offensive line the same way that the 49ers did early in New York right now, right? Big money to Lakin Tomlinson. They have uh, Beckton. They're, they're spending money on their offensive line. And Forrester's going with more cheap guys. Uh, so I think it's an influx of talent, an influx in the the, the draft and development model. You, you've you talked about uh, Chris Kacarek. That's the same thing they're doing over there. Um, so right now it is potential. Potential. This is a projection on what this offensive line can do. But I think that you have to feel comfortable if they're comfortable with it because we've seen it work out already. There's a there's already examples. Daniel Brunskill, Lake and Tomlinson. Uh, those are guys who have worked out that the 49ers brought in that weren't you know, heralded. I mean, Lakin Tomlinson was seemingly a bust. And then he ends up turning that into a, a big career. You get the right player in the right situation. Next thing you know, your offensive line is playing off the hook and they're going out and get themselves a big contract. Uh, very, very true. And I see Bobo here just asked, are we really keeping D Ford? Um, I don't think so. I don't think the Niners are actually doing that. But then again, um, nothing has happened. So Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are kind of making it seem like uh, there was no hope for D Ford. Uh, regardless of what his physical stated ant, he has come in and taken physical for, per my understanding of, of the timeline and uh, no decision has been made. So if he's not going to be in San Francisco, are the Niners waiting for something? Well, I mean, they're in no rush, right? I mean, th there, there, there's really no timetable at which D Ford needs to be released at this point. Uh, you're past the June one, you know, time they can release him. They can save $1 million this year. They can save $2 million next year. Uh, but they're going to eat $5.88 million in two consecutive seasons. I don't think that's what they want. I, I think that this is one of those situations where all signs have pointed towards D. Ford being out of here, and at some point he may be released. But the fact that it hasn't happened yet, I don't think signals that they're going to keep him or they're not. It's just one of those things where nothing has to happen. It's like Jimmy Garoppolo. Now that we've gotten to this point, nothing has to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo at all. They don't have to release him. They sure. don't have to trade him. They can just sit back and wait. And that's a luxury that they've afforded themselves by handling the salary cap that the way that they have. But we'll see. We'll see if they end up moving him or not. That's going to be interesting. It really is. Um, because you just you just don't know. You don't know with these things in terms of oh, just just in terms of what the plan is and what the Niners would like to do if if the cap space is nice, if the extra roster spot is is, you know, or not necessarily the extra roster spot, but the enticingness of not trying to keep a spot open for D four. They they did that last year. They kept him around uh far longer than a lot of people expected or were hoping for him to be around. They wanted them to just move off it, free up the roster spot, let's move on now. Um, they didn't do it. They did do it with Jalen Hurd 
uh, early last year. Um, they haven't done it with D Ford, and they're still holding on to Jimmy. So people may feel like, oh, this is, you know, mixed signals. You got rid of Jalen because he couldn't stay healthy. Why aren't you doing that with D Ford? Now, a lot of it was money, how much money was owed, number one. Uh, but number two with D, um, th- there is always the chance that if D Ford is somehow, at this point, it would feel like a miracle or magical or something. We're to stay healthy. If you if you walk away from that and another team goes and swoops them up, that's a problem that you have to face down the road as well. So you you do you do want to like you said, patience, right? Patience is a virtue in this situation. In this situation, being patient and not rushing to a decision with a guy who is still as talented as D Ford is could cause you problems if if he were somehow able to stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be uh, problems down the road if you released him and he ended up in Seattle or Arizona or, uh, heaven forbid, the Los Angeles Rams, who need an edge rusher, were able to get D4 and he was able to recapture his 1990, or I'm sorry, 2019 early form. Uh, that would be bad for the 49ers. And talk about a motivated player to go get go get it done when a team gave up on you. So I think they are a little a little bit cautious with it, but I think really what they're trying to do is just make sure they do right by themselves and when you don't have to make a rush to decision, then you can really think it out and really process it and and figure out. I mean, maybe they're going to, you don't know, they might bring him into camp. And if somebody gets hurt, all of a sudden D Ford goes to an actual potential rotational piece for your team at a pretty low number. Because over the last two years, D Ford has restructured his contract twice. So I think that, you know, D Ford right now, I'm not saying he's going to be on the roster because all in, in, <laughs> indications have been he's going to be released. Uh, but until he is, he is a part of this team. And like like uh, John Lynch likes to say, you know, he's a part of us. So until he's not, I, I think you have to just continue to watch and see what happens. Uh, possibly. Possibly. Uh, Bobo is saying something about acquiring players from contract disputes. And are you seeing that? Yeah, he said he said uh, we'll probably acquire players that have contract disputes from other teams as well, thinking that players are going to get released at some point. If they have a contract dispute, maybe they're not you know, working things out. Uh, I, I think that's, that's where we're going with it. Well, you, you could see, I mean, we're, we're, this is an unprecedented training camp and off season. I mean, this, this really, this really is, um, you have more players, more talented guys coming out in this, this last draft than in any previous year. We had guys who we didn't think we're going to get anywhere near being undrafted players being undrafted. So that leaves a lot of possibilities and a lot of openings and a lot of, uh, a lot of things here that could happen um, where vet players or guys who are maybe have a, their salaries are a little inflated because maybe the market was a little, little sour, a little less. And, you know, you, you had to go sure up and lock up some of these guys and to, some of these young guys come in and blow people's socks off, which very well could happen. Uh, you could have a plethora of very talented vets who are proven in this league that are available and and their market value is going to be reset. Um, that's the nice, that's the, that was the bad and the nice thing about this whole situation with COVID is that a lot of players waited, they waited to come out. And so now you have a lot of, uh, a lot of players with extra experience and extra years under their belt who are a little more developed coming in uh, who might be able to have a bigger impact that you could have gotten later in this, 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 uh, this last draft, this past draft, as well as this upcoming draft as well. Yeah. There was an influx of talent into this draft. I mean, there was more, uh, draftable available players, you know, players that should be drafted into the NFL than ever before because of COVID. Everyone pushed back, took that extra year, you know, tried to improve their standing. It did it hurt some of them, yeah, because some of them probably went undrafted. But I think there is a bigger talent pool than ever. You see players like we talked about earlier, Alex and Dominic and Sue is still out there. You know, I mean, there are players of that caliber that are still available. 
So I think it is inevitable that some good players get released from their team and they go with younger options. It's all about getting a younger option in there. And the 49ers are no different. I think that's one of the things they've done with this offense or this defensive line is have an influx of young talent, including Kamoko Ture, Charles Amenehue, Jordan Willis. These are a lot of really good, talented football players. And I think D Ford is still a guy that, you know, they would love to have. I just don't think he's going to be able to get it done. I don't think he's going to be able to stay healthy. But right now, he's on the team. And I don't think it really hurts the 49ers with him being on the team because all the financial restrictions and everything have already been handled. So right now, I mean, you, if you want to save $1 million, you can release him. But you can release him at any time before the season starts and still uh, you know, get that money back. Uh, accurate, Ant. That's uh, very accurate indeed, man. Um, it's, it's, it's the truth. It's, it's just the reality. Um, and, and look... Uh, <sighs> With with all of this talent still out there and available, man, it, uh, we te we've teased Nadamik and Sue. You and I have talked about it a little bit, like this idea of Nadamik and Sue in San Francisco. Let me ask you in chat. You can you can chime in on this as well. Would you rather have Nadamik and Sue, or would you rather have Hassan Ridgeway? Oh, I'd rather have Nadamik and Sue. I don't I don't think that's the question. But okay. when it comes down to it, right now Hassan Ridgeway is a backup behind Javon Kinlaw. And Dominican Sue's not coming in to be a rotational piece behind Javon Kinlaw. He would want to start. So if you're bringing Fair. in Sue, Fair. you're also not giving reps to Javon Kinlaw. And that's a guy going into his third year that you're expecting to explode onto the scene. Also, what does Ndamukong Sue's money look like? I am I would be curious about that. But as far as talent-wise, you're right. Ndamukong Sue over Hassan Ridgeway, I think everyone would believe that. Well, that's and that's my thing is because I don't think you're bringing in Sue I don't think you can bring in Sue with the idea being him being the starter. So if, if that's something that he would want, that may be a deal breaker for, for the Sue camp or Sue in and of himself. Um, but I, I think you have a situation where, I mean, listen, the reality is with Javon Kinlay, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, if you can have a situation where the two of them essentially are rotating or alternating every other series, uh, maybe you're able to keep Kinlaw a little fresher. Um, just it, it, but the, the question just becomes, like you talked about, it, money-wise, what does that look like? Because I think you made, what, $10 million last year? I think that's what the contract numbers were in, in Tampa? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know he's still been getting paid. I mean, the guy's been – he hasn't been a cheap bargain basement guy. He's not a guy that's supposedly at the end of his career or anything like that. No, not, not anywhere near that. Also, it's uh, Chris Kaceric, so. You know, there's, there's he does that. like he does like Chris Kasarek, and I, I believe that if the 49ers and Chris Kasarek had legitimate interest in him, they could probably get something done. I just don't know if they actually have legitimate interest in him because when it comes down to it, you're talking about this defensive line. The 49ers are building on the edge and then using those edge guys to play on the interior and not having so much focus on the interior guys. Uh, accurate ant that that is a hundred percent the truth there so uh, it, it would be interesting if something like that were to unfold i don't expect it to uh but what else what else is chat saying here what, what do we got here from chat yeah we had uh david campbell talking about that there's some men some conversation going around about jimmy garoppolo to seattle with even a poll going around if 49er fans would fear jimmy garoppolo being the head of seattle and whether that could come back to bite them in the butt said of course consider the sources um, but that is something that we had heard a little bit before, right? Maybe the 49ers were concerned about releasing Jimmy Garoppolo and him landing with the Seattle Seahawks. 
Uh, yeah, I, I know that was something that, that was floated about out there, but I did see some more reports today talking about Seattle being very interested in Baker Mayfield. Um, and so I, I, would, I would say that that probably points in a direction um, that Seattle is, is trying to go at and go, to, go towards, which is a uh, younger, more mobile quarterback. Ant. They want a guy who can move, and they want a guy who can sling the football. Uh, they, they're trying to not necessarily replace or duplicate Russ, but uh, have someone that can do similar type of rest things, extend plays and things of that nature. And that's not a strength of Jimmy's. So I would, I would say uh, the, the likelihood that that's going to end up happening is uh, slim to none, um, uh, barring Seattle being desperate enough to overpay. I would actually argue the opposite, that Baker oh. Mayfield actually doesn't make a lot of sense for what Pete Carroll likes to do on offense, especially with the way Pete Carroll is moving more towards the run the football again. Matt Leinert... Carson Palmer were quarterbacks that played for Pete Carroll. And even when Pete Carroll got here, right, it was Matt Flynn. It was guys who weren't as mobile that could create in the pocket. That is the kind of quarterback he likes to go with, the guys that can run play action off the running the football. Hey, guess what? What does Jimmy Garoppolo do very well? He runs a very good offense, knows how to do play action passes, and be able to play off a really good run game. I think he would be enticing. I don't think he's the end-all, be-all for what, for what he would want to do, Pete Carroll, but he could be a stopgap until he finds his next guy. I don't believe he liked the Russ Cook style of offense. I think it, it weared on him a little bit, and the fact it wasn't as successful, once they lost that big-time defense, uh, they, they really did struggle to consistently win games. So I would say Baker Mayfield is not as enticing, in my opinion, than Jimmy Garoppolo running what Pete Carroll normally likes to run on offense just from all the years of seeing him coach. Well, well, well. I mean, I mean you watch, you definitely watched more Pete Carroll than I did. Ed. I can give, I, I can I give you that. that. You didn't watch more Pete Carroll than I, than I ever have. Um, I, I disliked Pete Carroll heavily when he was at USC. Uh, disliked Pete Carroll heavily when he was at Seattle. Um, so yeah. the consistency of the dislike has at least, at least for me, uh, persisted and uh, and maintained. Uh, I, I don't know. I know Seattle would be silly to go into the season in their current quarterback situation. I know that it'd be absolutely silly to, to roll into the season with the guys they currently had at the quarterback spot. Um, uh, are they all right with doing that? It, it, would they would would they care? Do, it's a rebuild, so that just eff it. It's, it doesn't matter, you're right? Eff it, dude. Let's just roll into the year. Let's just let's just get through 2022 and let's get to the draft. Like I don't know. I don't know what the thought process is there. Um, but again, it's very odd to me that this this Pete Carroll at this age uh, would even be considering a rebuild, and yet that seems to be where Seattle is. Yeah, I, I I have a friend who's a Seattle Seahawks fan, and I asked him how he was feeling about Drew Locke being the quarterback this year, and I got no response. In fact, I'm still waiting on a response, and it's been over two days. I don't think I'm going to get a response <laughs> on that question. Uh, but who is going to get a response on this question is Marvin Rose says, don't you think they need to sign Debo first before bringing on somebody like Sue? <sighs> My heart says yes. Right, my heart says yes because Debo is a staple of the 49ers. He's extremely important. He's invaluable. Like you, you can't replace a Debo Samuel in San Francisco, right? I feel like I'm uh, Denzel Washington right now. And remember the Titans. Can I replace a Debo Samuel? No, I can't. You, you just can't do it, Ant. Um, however, you do need to go all in at some point. You, you do need to put together to put together the best 53 man roster. The strength of your football team outside of Debo Samuel and the identity of your football team is your front four. That's kind of a big deal. 
I don't know if it's the most important. I don't think Debo getting Debo under contract would be priority number one before putting together a team that can win the Super Bowl right now this year. But they're like one A and one little A. They're, they're very close. Yeah, I, I think they need to get the Debo Samuel thing done, but I don't think that it's mutually exclusive like they can't do both. Uh, because even bringing in Sue, the 49ers would definitely work out a contract with voidable years. So his number is it's tremendously low for this year. I'm sure they'd even maybe want to get him on a, a, a really cheap veteran deal. They're not going to want to pay him a lot of money. And they actually have enough money right now with $5 million to s- sign both Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel to extensions because you can lower the amount of money this year with signing bonuses and all of that. They could definitely get it all done if they wanted to. But I do think right now what they want that $5 million for, in fact, and maybe $6 million with if D Ford gets released, is so they have operating money during the season. Uh, they're always going to want to keep that $6 million, $5 million cushion. That way they can go out and make a trade. That way they can go out and sign a player if they have an injury or whatever they need to do. Um, so if they had an interior injury on the defensive line, they would be able to afford it in and Sue if he's not in camp. So I think that that's right now what they'll be waiting for. And, and until then, until they move on from a D four, until they move on from a Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, I think they want to keep that cushion. And I think they are really comfortable with this 90 man roster and ultimately what they think this 53 man roster is going to look like. I think I would agree with you on that. Um, and the reason is the main reason is, is because there haven't been a lot of crazy moves uh, since, since their last signing. Uh, they haven't done anything. They haven't gone out and made the big, the big splash. They have uh, brought in, you know, a, a handful of guys and done a, a handful of different things. And by the way, Ant, it it does look like, oh my goodness, I don't know if this is breaking or not, I don't know if it's officially announced, but it is looking like Jaquiski Tart is signed. Yeah, that happened over the like okay. a few days ago. Okay, it happened a few yeah. days ago. I haven't seen the numbers. I hadn't seen anyone officially announce it or not, so I didn't realize that. Oh my goodness, so he's in Philly. That's yeah, he's crazy. in Philly on a one-year deal. Oh, look at that. Okay, crazy. So I was just looking at free agent names, though. Julio Jones, Nate Solder, Landon Collins, Jason Pierre-Paul, still out there and available. Uh, Joe Hayden, J.C. Treader, Will Fuller. Uh, (laughs) You have also uh, Matt Paredes, uh, Nadamik and Sue. You still have Dante Hightower, Anthony Barr. I mean, that right there is crazy. T.Y. Hilton still out there and available as well, and uh jimmy graham i haven't seen him announce any sort of retirement thing i know with gronkowski retiring uh, earlier this week that you know there's people saying well maybe jimmy is going to about to about to park it too because he's a couple years older than he is carlos dunlap still out there and available cole beasley still out there and available uh, there are still a lot of 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 names a lot of names emmanuel sanders still available there's still a lot of players out there who vet veteran guys who could add a lot to a locker room and, and to different teams in the nfl that are still out there and available. And the fact that the Niners haven't made moves would signify to me exactly what you just said, which is they feel really good about the current roster. They're going to get these guys in. They're going to give all of these guys a chance to compete for those 53 spots. And if something happens during training camp or someone starts showing things that they, they're concerned with, uh, guess what? There's still a plethora of talent out there for them to go grab. And we got a $5 super chat from Mike Burgos. He says, Alex, given your love for Pete Carroll, how oh. do you feel about Ant's history with watching practices, uh, Pete Carroll's practices firsthand? Wait, say that again? Alex, given your love for Pete Carroll, how do you feel about Ant's history with watching his practices firsthand? 
Uh, uh, first off, Ant does not give me Pete Carroll vibes. So let's, this is just nonsensical, Matt. Mike, this is just this is nonsensical. There, there are no Pete Carroll vibes. Uh, the, the biggest problem with Pete Carroll is the chomping and chomping of the gum. Ant's, Ant's not chomping on gum. There's no, there's no gum chomping from Ant. So we're, we're all good there. Do they both share a love of the run game? Yes. Do, they, they both share a love of the run game, and that's about where it stops. That, that's about where it ends there. So look, Mike, uh, unfair characterization. No chomping of the gun from my compatriot over there. All right, there you go. So thanks, Mike, though, for the five dollars super chat. I always uh, <laughs> appreciate when we have that. when we have uh, longtime friends that come through and and talk it up. And uh, Mike has definitely known us for a long time. I coach with Mike. He's got a wealth of knowledge as well. So uh, that's always fu- that's always fun to get him uh, and and his brother Matt involved. It's always fun. Um, but yeah, and then you know, so I, I I like what you were talking about. You know, with some of the players that are available, and that's one of the things that I was kind of leaning into. Is there's so many players out there and available that it seems like every team is willing to go the young route. They're willing to bring guys in the draft and development uh, way. And so I think that right now, all these guys are just going to be sitting out there available. We'll see if anyone signs before training camp, but I have a feeling that some of these guys just aren't going to get signed until there's injuries or things that come up during this, during training camp and during the preseason. We're talking potentially full-blown and full-blown mercenaries. Like guys who don't make like rosters that. by the time they get to season, right? Like you get like three weeks in and someone goes down or a team's just not getting production in a certain spot and you pick up the phone and you're like, hey there, uh, Xavier Rhodes. Hey, hey there, Kyle Rudolph. Hey there, Emmanuel Sanders. Hey there, Larry Ogunjobi. You want you want to get some stuff done? We need some, we need some help. Janoris Jenkins, we, we need some help. Jimmy Graham, we need some help at the tight end room. Like you, you could legitimately see guys just – fielding phone calls from contenders um, who are just looking to bolster certain positions because maybe that's gone now, or maybe someone that they thought was going to produce isn't. Yeah. And Marvin Rose's aunt going the young route is cheaper. Yeah. It's, it's a lot cheaper. Even the veteran, con- you know, the veteran contract and veteran minimum is a lot higher, you know, than an undrafted free agent or even a rookie draft pick. And just in the life of the contract, it's just so much more. So you you lose out on having a guy that's very equipped with handling the NFL because anytime a veteran player is played in the NFL, they understand the ins and outs. But what you gain is, number one, a younger guy, number two, a more healthy guy, probably, because he's had less wear and tear on the tires, but also a guy that's tremendously cheaper. And when you're trying to fill out a 53-man roster, there is give and take. And you see a team like the Rams where they're paying so much money to Jalen Ramsey and to Aaron Donald you know, and to Bobby Wagner. You have to find areas in which you can give. And having young players that you believe can develop is what they're doing. It is right now a proven method because the Rams did it and won a Super Bowl. So I think that that's what happens with a lot of teams. The 49ers have always went that way because they are a draft and development. The only problem is they're drafting so good and developing so good. Now they're having to pay a pretty premium to be able to keep their guys on the roster. Uh, accurate. And that's a, that's a problem you want to have when you go that route. Um, and you and I have talked about this and we'll continue to talk about this at the end of the day, at some point you have to try and blend, you have to try and blend, blend this draft and development with being able to sign and bring guys in. Um, you know, and, and Kyle has talked about this. He, he's talked about, he preferred to draft first before free agency. He, he likes the idea of the draft, the draft first before free agency. So he can go see, you know, what, what positions he can get filled via draft picks, young guys, and then fill out whatever holes are left with free agents, veteran guys. Um, he has that preference. That should tell everybody what the mindset is of the 49ers, how much they value um, the, the young players that they can pick up in the draft. 
Yeah, you're right. You know, and Marvin Rose was talking about Hugh McElhaney. Once again, you know, we, we did talk about it earlier, Marvin. Uh, David Campbell, I brought it up in chat. RIP uh, to McElhaney. Uh, one of the best, you know, million-dollar backfield, Hall of Famer. Uh, unfortunately, passed away at the age of 93. Um, but one of the true legends, you know, in San Francisco 49ers land. Um, so prayers go out to his family. And, uh, you know, everyone that doesn't know who he is, go back and check it out. Check out the Million Dollar Backfield. There's some really cool things there. Uh, Joe the Jet Perry um, is also another really good one to watch. But go back and watch some of the 1950s stuff. It's really fun. And uh, he was one of the great ones. That is for sure. And um, sad, uh, truly a sad. But when you live 93 uh, 93 years, Ant, and uh, a long, happy 93 years, uh, there's not a whole lot to complain about. There really isn't. So uh, you, you you break for his family, you hurt for his family a little bit. You wish them the best. Um, and at the end of the day, they got they got a long time with the with that man. And uh, the Niners fans got to appreciate the things he did in San Francisco for for quite quite a many years. Uh, nine whole decades, Ants. Nine whole decades of a well, not not nine whole decades, but maybe like seven whole decades of appreciation for what McElhaney did in San Francisco. Yeah, and 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 Marvin, uh, no reason to be a pol- uh, to be apologetic. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, he should be mentioned multiple times during this episode because that's the kind of impact he had on this 49ers organization. Um, so so thanks for uh, bringing it up again. Uh, I really like talking about the you know the players from the past and that million dollar backfield was something special for the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely, and sh- and shout out to Marvin Rose's mom and who lived until she was 92. Some good genes in that gene pool. Yeah. That's true. I mean, so Marvin's on the right track for a long life, and uh, that that's good news. We want Marvin around for a long time. Uh, you know that's right, Andy. You know that's right. Uh, I saw Donald here, uh, 40 hours fogies, Pete the cheat. Every time I see him specifically with chewing gum, he makes me vomit. Well, Donald, you should probably go get that looked at. That's not necessarily a good thing. Um, you don't want to vomit every time you see him. I can understand occasionally, like occasionally when he's chewing gum. Uh, specifically for me, it's when he's chewing gum and doing – on the sideline, then it's just like, I just I want to break something. I, I think Pete Carroll really missed out on a deal, you know, that could have got him a, a chewing gum, you know, marketing deal. I mean, he, how he does he not have gum pretty good? How does yeah, he not have one? It's, it's one of the biggest questions I think that's uh, in the NFL today. McVeigh's got a soup deal. How does Pete Carroll not have a gum deal? What are gum brands doing? I don't know. Somebody For- needs to get on that. For God's sakes, Marshawn Lynch got a Skittles deal. Skittles couldn't come out with Skittles gum. It's the best of both worlds. I don't know. Yeah, Pete I say, and... I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they haven't hit on that one. Maybe they're just not willing to pony up the cheese that old Pete Carroll wants, you know? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I, I feel like that would do some it'd do some wonder. Well, you know what? If it annoys if it annoys me that bad and it annoys you that bad, maybe it, it pisses a lot of people off. Maybe they've, like, field tested this. How would you feel about... Pete Carroll chewing our gum in a commercial and they would like never buy your never buy your gum again. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I got I do have a question for you because there's been a little bit of conversation about Debo Samuel's extension and some conversation about the fact that maybe the 49ers should have signed Debo Samuel to an extension right after the season. And then now it's going to come back to bite them in the butt. What are your feelings on that? Should they have done it right after the season? Or do you think that waiting for what they've done every other time with Warner, Kittle, you know, until right before training camp is the way to go? Uh, History is your best teacher. So history has shown that the Niners get their deals done with their stars, like their their franchise-type players, uh, either very early on in training camp or right before the start of training camp. 
Uh, last time I checked, we still got uh, close to a month, and we still got about 30, 30 something days until uh, until training camp starts, which means there is a lot of time still. So history is the best teacher, which means I am not going to question this. Now, uh, could it come back to bite them in the butt? Absolutely. It absolutely could come back to bite them in the butt, but the Niners have not done this. They have not rushed. They don't uh, jump to sign these guys right away and be the first guys to set the market. Um, they work with these guys. They they figure out what, what's going to make most the most sense for the team right now and in the future. Um, they don't make you know, short-sighted decisions. They try and make a, a decisions and in which they are well-versed and uh, are very much immersed in, in understanding what the market is, what their guy contributes and adds to the team and how to make sure to best compensate them going forward. So until it backfires, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a, it's a, a they made a mistake. Um, I'm going to say that I trust this process. Yeah, and you know, I had I had some interesting thought when I first read it. Uh, I, I thought to myself, you know, it, you would think conventional wisdom would be like, yeah, you know, you sign him before free agency happens because once free agency happens, something like what happened with Jacksonville could happen, right? Overpay for a player. Christian Kirk gets overpaid. All of a sudden, Debo Samuel's worth went well up, right? I mean, before everything happened with free agency, we were saying 18 to 20 million. John Chapman was saying 18 to 20 million. Like, that was what it seemed like. And then all of a sudden, it's it went out of control. Christian Kirk did his thing. You know, you get the trade of Tyreek Hill, and it's like, Thank you, Debo wants 30 million, 25, 30 million. And so you're thinking to yourself, oh, wow, like they should have done it right away. However, right after the season is when Debo was absolutely on fire. Everyone wanted the 49ers to sign him, and he was at his hottest point. It was probably smart for the 49ers to let this thing cool. I don't even think they could have gotten him for 18 or 20 million. Debo wanted well more than that. So stay on brand, stay on par, wait until training camp and get this deal done. I think they are going to get a deal, the deal done. I think it's going to be a little bit more than the 49ers want to pay and a little bit less than what Debo Samuel wants to get paid. But in the end, both parties will be happy. Uh, you know, that is correct. Anton. look, I think the reality is, is that uh, the, the, the Cooper cup signing, and the, the contract extension he took, bringing that number back down to about that $22 million range is going to be what kind of settles this in now and puts him in, in a good spot where he can negotiate. Uh, I think ideally the Niners wanted to pay $20 million was the top number, and he may end up having to pay about $21.5 now. Yeah, and, and Hugo coming through with a question that says, Yo, Cutback Crew, any word on Trey Sermon and Banks during minicamp? I mean, the, the the hype was on for, for Banks in, in yeah. training camp. A lot of coaches talking him up. A lot of people were very impressed with his progress and where he's at and where he's been. Um, Trey Sermon, on the other hand, Ant, not really. Uh, the, the the talk of the show was Jordan Mason and uh, and it was uh, TDP. TDP and, and Jordan Mason were the two backs getting the most of the lo- most of the love coming out of training camp. Uh, which you would think Hugo means doom and gloom for Trey Sermon, but you you just don't know yet. I, I'm not I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. Yeah, I did hear Kyle Shanahan bring up Trey Sermon, so I think that's a good a good sign. Uh, but he said that he was you know he was looking forward to seeing what he could do in the offense. Uh, he was keeping it very coy, uh, so we don't know much about Trey Sermon. But you're right, all the things about Banks have been positive. Everyone's talking about the fact he's going to play left guard, including the knowledge coming out that Chris Forster is bullish about him playing left guard and the fact that they thought he was ready last year, uh, but they didn't want to mess up continuity with the offensive line the way they had. I think is a good sign for Aaron Banks, and I think he's going to do well. So that was a good question from Hugo. And uh, Carson Sapington says, how much of a pay cut would be needed to make sense keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster? 
Uh, no pay cut. He's not taking one. He's not taking one because there's no guarantee he's starting here. So it, it, it's not it, – it just – it wouldn't happen, Carson. There's no way Jimmy G is taking a pay cut to stay in San Francisco. Um, they agreed to pay him that money. He has all the leverage in that, in, in that sense, in that regard. Um, if he's healthy, they can cut him, and he can go compete for a starting job somewhere else and make the same amount of money he would make if he took a pay cut or took an extension. Yeah, I don't see him taking a pay cut. Um, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, you know, unless there's just no situations where his maybe his agent's out putting out feelers and there's no situations where he can get paid a good amount of money. Maybe he would go to the 49ers and say, hey, I will cut my salary in half to make sure I stay here because I, $12 million is a lot better than the $5 million I would get on the open market. But I think he wants to be a starting quarterback. So I think for him, he would play as a starting quarterback for 7 or $8 million over making $27 million as a backup quarterback, or in this case, taking half of that money in a pay cut to make sure he stays with the 49ers. I don't think that's what he wants to do because once he starts getting known as a backup quarterback and not one of the top 32 in the league, I believe that's how some of the teams in the league will start looking at him. Uh, So you want to stay at the forefront, you want to stay on people's minds, and you ultimately want to make sure that you can go out there, especially with the salary cap exploding in 2023, and get yourself another really good contract. And I think if, you know, you have somebody like Mitchell Trubisky, you know, making $7 million as a backup, but it could go up to like $15 million as a starter, Jimmy Garoppolo could definitely make that much money on the open market. A team like Seattle would be willing to pay him that. So I don't think he wants to take a pay cut, and I don't think he's going to ultimately be a backup quarterback in San Francisco. No, it doesn't feel like he would be a backup quarterback. Um, uh, like you said, it, it would take a, it would take no teams in the league being interested, and I just don't believe that. I don't believe there's not a single team that's interested in the top 15 quarterback. That doesn't make any sense. Logically, it doesn't make any sense. I won't be able to wrap my head around that. There are a lot of bar, bottom, bottom of the barrel basement franchises right now that if their quarterback gets hurt or something happens, they would pick up the phone and call for Jimmy Garoppolo. So I, I'm just not there. I can't get there with people. And, and Ronnie Montoya says, hey, fellas, just jumped in with F Ford on this team. Uh, still, uh, still on, do you think – They'll try to trade him for a late round pick, or do they just cut him? Um, I think he meant D Ford. I just, I think it I, probably a, a typo. Possibly. Um, I think the, I think the reality is, is they want to, they would like to just cut him and move on because I don't think anyone. I, I think they know this, and I know I know this. Uh, nobody is trading for D Ford. Ant. Like it's just not happening. So cutting him is going to be your best, your best bet. Yeah, I think in in a perfect world, they would love to trade him, right? They'd love to get some draft capital back. Uh, Just don't think that that is in the cards. I don't think anyone would be really willing to trade for, um, you know, D Ford with the potential of him still being injured. Um, So I don't think that's a reality. I think the 49ers would love that situation, but it's not going to work out. Uh, And if he is not going to, if he's not going to be on the 49ers this year, he will be released. Uh, Accurate there, Ant, if he's not in San Francisco, He's uh yeah no he's he's out he's he's gone if he's not playing he's not in San Francisco they that will happen it's just a matter of when and it doesn't seem like the Niners are in a rush they're not in a rush to do that and while while I don't want to say I don't blame them um I I do have questions I got questions about it but we'll see we'll see what happens yeah and everyone we're getting to that point uh, populate chat right now with any questions you have we're we're gonna sign off here pretty soon but we want to give everyone a last effort to get your questions in. 
Um, let's have a little bit more of a conversation before we sign off. And and just so everyone you know kind of knows, there's going to be some stuff coming out all weekend. Of course, uh, tomorrow we have a a video coming out at 11 a.m. talking about the 49ers run game and what that's going to look like. And you know, and then Saturday we have we get into our training camp battles with Trey Sermon versus TDP Alex, which will be one of the best conversations and best things to watch. And then of course on Sunday, special team studs. Uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And also, if you're over on Patreon or you'd like to be over on Patreon, on uh, tomorrow on Patreon, slightly off sides with Horse Comes Out, make sure you check that out. It's a good one. Uh, we really get into some good 49er topics, and I think everyone will enjoy it. Uh, very true. Uh, very true. So make sure you're subscribed and hit that like button if you haven't already. Uh, Carson here, thinking thinking is is the thinking is us paying him more to be a backup as then someone would pay him to start. Don't really think. Uh, don't really think uh, OTS. Uh, whoa! Don't really think OTS going to happen, but or don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but do to want to, to upgrade quarterback too. I understand wanting to upgrade quarterback too. The problem is you guaranteed two million dollars already to uh, Nate Sudfeld, so he's got two million guaranteed that you're that you're paying him anyway. So even if you uh, take a pick up there with Jimmy, you got to add on the the two million you're paying Suddy. Yeah, I, I think you know the thought process is is valid, right? If you could uh-huh. get Jimmy Garoppolo to take half, and then you could save all that money and still have a quarterback that you just said, Alex, a little bit ago was a top fifteen caliber quarterback in the NFL. I think everyone would love to have a quarterback too of that level. Um, but Hugo is not wrong either because Hugo said either uh, earlier it may not be beneficial for for Trey Lance to have Jimmy Garoppolo backing him up because of the media pressure and things like that going on. So I understand both thought processes and both make sense. And the locker room love for Jimmy. Let's not, let's not forget that. Uh, the locker room love for Jimmy is real. And, you know, in, in this scenario you've painted here, Carson, the question I would have for you is, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to get a fair shot to start? Because if he doesn't get a fair shot to start and it's just Trey's job and Jimmy is just needs to be the backup quarterback, try explaining that to this locker room. Hey, the guy who's gotten you to a Super Bowl and an, and an NFC Championship game in two of the last three years is just not the quarterback anymore. Well, I think Carson is saying that Jimmy Garoppolo would be the backup quarterback, and I don't think he's saying you know, that he would have an opportunity to start. And I think that is the only way that it really makes Trey Lance feel comfortable or this team feel comfortable with Trey Lance. Um, I, I think if it becomes an open battle, then it does open up all the questions. You're going to be splitting reps again, and we know Trey Lance needs all those reps to get better. But then sure. it does allow that to creep in. That's why Jimmy Garoppolo being on the roster may not be the best for Trey Lance. Uh, it would be good for the 49ers overall as an organization because now if Trey was to get hurt, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but I don't, I don't know if that's a really good situation with all the media attention and everything that would happen in that quarterback room. Fair. I mean, I, I agree. This is uh, it, it would be a cluster F and it would be um, drama for the sake of drama at this point uh, for San Francisco and for the 49ers. Last year, it was worth it because Trey was a guy who needed some things. He, he had some things he needed to work on uh, this year. If you feel Trey is, is there and he's ready or is at least close enough to, to take the next step that you're willing, willing to roll or risking or willing to risk the rolling of said dice on Trey Lance, then you need to. And it's just time. It's time to move a different direction. Yeah, it, it could be, you know, I, I think that the 49ers uh, understood what they were doing last year and getting Trey Lance ready. I think Jimmy Garoppolo being injured actually 
did help Trey Lance be able to get in there and see what would happen when the bullets were flying and understand the speed of the game. You know, that is a little bit different than practice. When the other team's out there and coming at you, it does change things. And I think he did have a tremendous amount of growth during the season. The fact that he was able to win a football game as a starting quarterback is a good sign for the 49ers. What level he's going to get to, that is a different story. That's between how much development he's had along the way and what his understanding is of this system and what defenses ultimately show him. But I think we all can agree that he has the potential to be something special. And I, I think that right now, that's how it is with a lot of players on the 49ers organization and on this team. I think they have a lot of players that can be special. Uh, very true. Carson here with a good one here as well. Greenlaw versus Z's. Who gets the contract? Who moves out or moves on? Uh, for me, it, it, after this season, it would be Greenlaw getting the contract and Aziz moving on, unless Aziz were to show uh, drastic improvements in coverage. And because right now, Dre Greenlaw is phenomenal versus the run, and he's uh, pretty, pretty gosh darn fantastic in past situations. Yeah, I think it could. It, it might ultimately come down to who has the worst season that ends up staying. Uh, financially, they might not be able to keep Dre Greenlaw if he plays at the level that we both believe he can play at. He can have a Pro Bowl caliber season. Now, Aziz is going to have the more flashy plays. Aziz flashes True. behind the line of scrimmage. True. He does a lot of big things. So I think both players are going to look good. Both players are going to be fun to watch. Uh, but I, I I, think I would prefer them having Dre Greenlaw. However, I think that you know it, it will be probably the player that they can afford. If Greenlaw works out, that'd be great because I do think he's the better of the two linebackers, even though I think it's close. I would agree with you on that, Ant. I would agree with you, Gret. Uh, I agree. Any word on Aziz's injury? I haven't heard anything. Have you? Yeah, he has a couple of injuries, you know, that he's dealing with, and uh, he's overcoming those. He hasn't been ready lately, um, but they expect him to be ready for training camp. So uh, when that happens, you know, then then he'll be out there and getting it done. But uh, right now, yeah, he had he had a couple surgeries during the offseason that he had to get some things cleaned up. Um, so well, I, I'm sure at some point he'll be ready to roll, and this linebacker core will be. Be good the good thing is he understands what he's supposed to do on defense uh there's no risk of him not making this roster so they can feel comfortable letting aziz get healthy and when they're ready to roll against chicago aziz dre greenlaw fred warner are going to be the starting linebackers well there you go uh look uh, that, that that is 100 the case ant and uh, we'll see what happens with those guys i'm more worried about getting this three out there on the field this year together than I am about uh, which guy is here long-term right now because I just want to see this this core, these these three together. Because with the salary cap exploding in, if you can be creative with the uh, with the contracts and the money going forward, if there was a way to keep all three together, uh, then then yes, please do so. Yeah, and uh, Carson says, yes, love, big play, Dre. And we really love everyone that came through chat. You guys are all big-time players in our chat, and we appreciate everyone that came through for this live Q&A. It was an exciting, so don't, an exciting episode. Don't miss... All the things that are happening over the weekend, whether it's, you know, Friday's episode at 11 a.m., Saturday's episode at 11 a.m., Sunday's episode at 11 a.m., or Monday, be right back here. We're going to be going over the roster. We're going to be going over the offensive depth chart and talking about all the position battles, how we see them lining up on Monday for a live stream at 5 p.m. Make sure you're here for that. It's going to be an exciting weekend. I hope everyone enjoys it. Make sure to leave comments the whole time. We'll get back to you. Absolutely. Love having these conversations. Love these Q&As on, uh, on Thursdays, Ant. They're always a lot of fun, uh, but still tons of conversations to go. So make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already and hit that notification bell. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one, Alex. And uh, you know what? I think it's that time. Let's uh, chalk another one up. Letter TCC.
know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.